Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Let's begin there. We're studying healing, divine healing, divine health. Part of the redemptive plan that God has given. We're going to come at it at a little different angle this evening. We'll start with the scripture. That's the best way. Verse 14, John chapter 4 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Everybody say Spirit into Galilee, and there went in a fame of him throughout all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. There was delivered him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, Now notice this next part. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Everybody say brokenhearted. Now a lot of people struggle physically because of internal issues in their life. When we did our series on the heart, the Lord gave me an entire section on the bruised, broken, and offended heart. And there's a lot of people today that suffer physically because Inside of them, something happened in their life that, 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 that bruised or broke or caused their, caused their uh, heart to get offended. Now, we know a lot of the sicknesses and diseases, two of them especially, cancer and um, uh, heart disease. They say those two are exacerbated by stress. That a person that lives a very stressful life, that has a lot of stress in their life, Uh, you know, it just opens the door uh, for uh, those types of disease to form. Uh, But the good news is uh, you don't have to live with stress in your life. Let me say that again. You don't have to live with stress. Stress is a choice. I choose not to live stressed. I roll my cares over on the Lord. It's something you have to do by faith, something you have to understand in the Word of God. But tonight as I was praying and seeking, believing God, saying, Lord, okay, what is it exactly that you want to say to the people tonight? What is it that you want to uh, uh, impart to them to help them walk in divine health, walk in divine healing? The Lord, I just happen to have my book on the desk because I've been using it for our, our Wednesday night service. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a little bit tonight on healing the bruised, broken, and offended heart. Now, the good news is Jesus is the healer of the bruised, broken, and offended heart. Amen. Uh, uh, let me read a couple of my notes I have here. If Jesus in his ministry was sent to heal broken hearts, that means the heart is capable of being broken. Now, a lot of times we, you know, we think a broken heart just has to do with like, you know, somebody gets disappointed a little bit or this happens or that happens and it just kind of breaks your heart. Well, this goes a little deeper than that. If you, if you really understand what it means that the core inside of your makeup gets bruised, gets broken, gets offended, gets hurt, that can happen because of many things that go on in life. And we live in 2019, and I'm telling you, iniquity and sin on this earth is rampant, and there are horrible, horrible things that happen to people. Amen? Marriages get broken, families get split apart. People have financial problems. Uh, People get abused. Men and women go off to war. There's so many different things that can just break your heart. So I begin to look uh, in the the Word and 
some teaching that I had and then some teaching the Lord gave me, the phrase that just breaks my heart is connected to what? Tragedy, disaster, and trauma. It could be as trivial as, as a football team losing. So, you know, who do you always use? Always, always pick on Roy, you know, the Cowboys lost. So, you know, he, <laughs> that just breaks my heart, you know. Well, that, that's pretty trivial. Uh, but, you know, it could also be as tragic as the loss of a loved one, parents' loss of a child, uh, all of those kinds of things that are traumatic. Brokenhearted. Now, I, this is how I defined it because I looked at several different uh, definitions and different teachings that I was a part of. So I had to kind of just narrow it down to one definition. Now, listen to this. Brokenhearted is a condition of the heart being totally controlled by an emotion, a choice, or a pattern of thought. Now think about that for a moment. A broken heart is any area in which your heart is not guarded. Potentially, that part of your heart that is not guarded is open to being broken, being bruised, or being offended. Remember Proverbs 4.23? It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If you don't guard your heart, your heart is going to end up broken, bruised, or offended. Now, for some that may not have been around here when we were teaching on the heart, we're talking about not fully the spirit of man or not fully the soul of man, but the place that is developed. The spirit is given, the soul is given, but your heart is developed. We talked about over here uh, the heart lying in a place between the flesh and the soul where athletes have a heart toward the particular sport that they're involved in. How you could have a guy with a, with a lot of talent, but he didn't have a heart for the game, but you have a guy with a more, uh, less talent, but he's got a heart for the game, and he will excel over the one with the talent. You say, why? Because he has a heart for it. I, I've, I've always I, I've liked um, following bull riding for years because I used to be one way back. 40-something years ago, and uh, I was watching a documentary on one of my favorite bull riders who's still riding today, and it showed all these, you know, these guys have turned into to, to real athletes. You know, they go to the gym every day. They study the sport. Uh, you know, they, they, they study the animals. I mean, it's really, you know, it's a, a whole lot more than it was back when I was a kid. Now, the guy right now that, that really has, he's won two world championships and is just a, kind of a freak in the sport is a guy that doesn't go to the gym. He doesn't work out. Uh, you know, he has a ranch and he does his ranch work and stuff. But what he does is one thing. You know what he does? He stands on a basketball. He's been doing it all of his life. He goes, he gets a basketball, and he stands on it. With a pair of cowboy boots, a pair of chaps and spurs on, he stands on the basketball. And that basketball kind of rolls around. He just kind of stands there. And he does it for an hour at a time, three or four times a day. He doesn't go to the gym. He doesn't work out. He's not all by. He's about five foot three and he weighs 140 pounds. But he has rode the toughest bulls in the rodeo. Now what standing on the ball has done for him, it's taught him balance. But what has made him a champion is not his strength, but his heart. You say, how can you say that? Because you're never going to get strong enough to outpower a bull. So you're going to have to have something else in your repertoire of weapons in order to become a champion like he has two different times. Now, your heart over here in between, your spirit and your soul is fed either by the spirit part of you or by your soul. And a broken heart in that area that is constantly fed by what you think, 
what you feel and the decisions you make will cause that broken heart condition to get exacerbated and cause you to make decisions only from that which your broken heart dictates to you. That's why people get into patterns that are destructive in their life. You know, everybody's got an aunt, an uncle, or some, you know, relative that, you know, they always marry the wrong person or, or always hook up with the wrong. There's always this wrong person. It's a development that has happened in their life because of brokenheartedness. Something has happened to them that has hurt them deeply. I was praying and studying this, and I was making some notes because I'm going to pick up on this series here when we get through with redemption and do uh, some teaching on the heart, part two. And the Lord spoke something to me. I thought it was really good. He said, you can't put a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. Now think about that. You can't put a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. The reason is, is you're going to be constantly doing what? Putting a Band-Aid on it. Putting a Band-Aid on it. Putting a Band-Aid on it. Putting a Band-Aid. Because that thing's going to have to heal in a different way that other wounds heal. You're going to have to have some help. Everybody say some help. You're going to have to have some other people get involved with that wound because that wound goes deeper than other wounds. And when wounds go deep, you got to have some help to get those wounds healed. That's why Jesus said he came to what? Heal the brokenhearted. Amen? Now, let's look at a couple of these things. i got a little time here. We can do this. Uh, let me see. I can't go through all of this, but we can do, we can do a little bit. A broken heart, again, let's expand the definition, is any event, situation, or life experience or circumstance which renders your heart ineffective to perform that which God intends. It inhibits the inner spirit from feeding information, motivation, and desire, rendering your heart unable to function as God has designed it. One must rely on feelings, thoughts, and choices to function, not realizing this is Satan's playground. It will cause the corruption process to affect your treasure. You say, why? Because where do you keep your treasure? In your heart. That's where your treasure is kept. So anything that you're doing that makes that process continue in your life, you are bringing destruction to yourself or you're walking in a life pattern. Now, let me say this. You know, we all go in and out of stress in our life. How many know that? Sometimes days are just stressful. You know, we talk about Job, you know, poor old Job. Well, poor old Job really wasn't poor old Job because he ended up with 10 times more than he started with. But, you know, Bible historians tell us that Job's phenomenon of destruction was only about nine months long. He just had a bad year is all he had. But he recovered from it supernaturally. But you must understand there are things that happen to people's lives that you may think you have recovered from, but in reality that thing continues to dictate your thoughts, your emotions, and your choices. Amen? You say, well, I don't know how you can prove that. Check up on the stress in your life. How much stress do you have? Say, Pastor, I'm telling you, I'm just so stressed, I don't know what to do. I can't hardly, I can't hardly think. I can't hardly sleep. I've been going through this for years. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I've got good news. Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. Amen? And he will heal your brokenhearted and one of the, your broken heart if you will allow him access to it. Amen? Now, I've got so much here, I can only do a, do a little bit of this. 
so that we can. Your heart is always revealed in your words. Your mouth connected to a broken heart will continually rehearse the situation which caused the condition. From the trauma of a broken heart, you feel and think wrong and you always make wrong choices. Symptoms include depression, hopelessness, extreme moods, insecurities, irabilities, and the band-aid on the broken heart is always anger. That's why I've learned over the years to not get so mad at people that, that get so mad at me. There's something about me that literally causes people to get very angry. I mean, it's a unique phenomenon. And it doesn't just because, you know, since I've been a preacher for 35 years, it's always been like that. I don't know what about, uh, you know, I mean, I had somebody tell me one time, and I really didn't even know this person. I had only taught and preached in a church they attended, and they made this statement to me. I wish I could just slap you. Amen. Well, I mean, you know, uh, maybe that's just the way I am. But here's the thing. I've learned over the years that all these different symptoms, when I see them in my life, any depression, any hopelessness, any extreme moods, any insecurities, and if I see any anger in my life, I understand and realize that's an area of my heart that I have not dealt with, and that is an area that can be open to the adversary, which not only can he affect my emotions and my feelings, but he can affect my physical body with it. Amen. I just don't take things so hard anymore. I used to. I just don't do it anymore. I don't allow, listen, many times with expectation, when expectation in your life doesn't come out the way you want it to, you have great big ups and great big downs. I learned over the years not to have great big ups and great big downs. My greatest expectancy is in God. But I don't use my imagination to live in a fantasy of what might be if. The what, might, the what might be if syndrome or scenario in your mind will keep you in a place of frustration and always bring you back into the place of the disappointments of your life. And it's those areas of disappointment in your life is where your heart gets broken. Amen? Now, what do we do in the world to take care of this situation? Well, we have drugs, we have alcohol, we have food, we have success, we have failure. We have uh, uh, hobbies, we have shopping, we have friends. We have all kinds of distractions. And you can always tell when the broken heart part of that is involved because all of the distractions that we use, we end up in an excess. Excess drugs, excess alcohol, excess shopping, excess. What are we doing? We're trying to go out and we're trying to find some way to get our mind off that which really hurts us and harms us so that just for a few minutes we can have some peace. I listened to, a, to an interview. How many remember, does anybody remember Tim Conway? When I say that name. He was just a little comedian. He was real funny. He had all these jokes. He's on different shows and stuff like that. Well, he was a compulsive gambler for many years. Gambled away many fortunes. Now, I heard him on an interview, and he made this statement after he had basically been whatever cured or whatever he said. He said he, 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 he got delivered of it or cured of it. And the, the, the interviewer asked him, why did you gamble? His, his, his particular thing that he gambled on was horses. He loved to go to horse races, and he'd bet everything he had on horse races. And he said literally the reason he gambled it's for the minute or minute and 30 seconds or minute and 45 seconds or two minutes that the horses ran. 
no matter how much he bet, no matter how much it was at stake, but that minute or minute and a half or two minutes when the horses ran, he had peace because he was able not to have to focus on any of his other problems, but to only focus on the horse race. So the horse race became his peace. The horse race became his place of, uh, of uh, peace where he could go and hide from all of his problems. And that's what the world does. The world hides from its broken heart in all these different things. Now, a bruised heart. Broken heart is outward. Bruised heart is inward. Now, this, is, this, this will blow your mind. What can cause a bruised heart? A bruised heart is that which is inward. It begins with self-disappointment and will end up in causing you to live a lie. Bruised hearts are found in, in all type of people who have gotten into self-delusion. And life has caused them great disappointment. I've got a couple examples I'm not going to use here tonight. It would take too much time. But if you involve yourself in things like adultery or, or, or even if you get into things that are illegal like dealing drugs or, or uh, things that are just, you know, against the law, things like that, there is a particular mystique to that in which there is an element of the mysterious in which you get involved in that lures you into that and then once it grabs you, it brings you into that sin. And once, once into that sin, you're captured by it. And once you're captured by it, even though you're a born-again Christian, your flesh and your mind begin to literally gravitate to that, and that's the only way you get your feeling fix. Everybody say feeling fix. That's what that is. Now, the area I wanted to get to tonight in which people get bruised hearts when it comes to serving God is the area of unanswered prayer. There's a lot of people in churches all over the world tonight that are bruised in their heart because of an expectation and a prayer that was prayed that either has not been answered in their life or was not answered the way they thought it should be. And it has caused an inward bruise on the inside of them which renders them ineffective to walk in faith. Therefore, their spirituality becomes religious. It's a put-on. That's what religion always is. And listen, that's why when it comes to faith and prayer, you have to let God be God. Let me say that again. When it comes to faith and prayer, you have to let God be God. We always use the example of John the Baptist. You can go read it if you want to over in Matthew chapter 11. John the Baptist was a prophet sent by God, had a great ministry. His ministry was flowing. His ministry was growing. Jesus came and was baptized in the Jordan of John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3. We see all the great things that John did, that John said, but John ended up in the prison. And in Matthew chapter 11, it talks about John sending disciples to Jesus and saying unto Jesus, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? Amen? Obviously, several different things you can conclude by that. Number one, he's in the city. He's out of his place. You say, why? Isaiah prophesied that he would be the voice of one crying weird. Does anybody know? In the wilderness. He's not in the wilderness. He's in Jerusalem and he's in prison. Amen? Secondly, what defined him as who he was when it came to, came to God's ability to identify people is he was the one chosen by God to be the forerunner of Christ 
and his revelation framed his identity. He's the one that said, Behold the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. I'm not worthy to tie his shoe latches. He's the one that said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoe latches I'm not worthy to tie. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now in the prison, what does he do? He begins to rehearse back to his disciples and tell them and told them to go to Jesus and ask him, are you the one I was talking about? He's questioning the revelation that gave him his identity. And all we can do is speculate of how he ended up in that position. Could he have been disappointed? Could he, be, could he have been disillusioned because Jesus did not choose him to be a disciple? Because John could have thought if anybody's qualified, if anybody's ready to be a disciple, if anybody has the goods, it's got to be me. And Jesus walks around him and chooses fishermen and Jesus walks around him and chooses tax collectors and Jesus walks around him and even chooses a crook that betrayed him. Now what if John had information of who Judas Iscariot really was and of his character and saw Jesus choose him? He would have thought, why did he choose that crook and not choose me? Well, whatever it was, he ended up with a broken heart and he ended up out of his place, and he ended up executed by a wicked king named Herod. Amen? Literally, that's what a bruised heart will do. Now, because of time's sake, I'm going to go past the offended heart. We'll get into that later. The offended heart is just the ultimate victim. I mean, everything in the world you're a victim of. Now, if you can identify with anything in your heart that needs healing, here's the process. Everybody say process. Number one, admit it. My heart is broken. I am disappointed. This happened to me. That happened to me. Well, okay, let's, let's admit it and start the healing process. Amen? Secondly, respond to ministry. Anytime there's an anointing, anytime God is moving, and people call for people with broken hearts, people minister to people with broken hearts, you ought to respond to that. Don't sit back and let pride and fear guard that which is wrong with you. If you got to go up in a thousand altar calls, it may be the thousand and number one altar call that gets you delivered and set free. You've got to put some effort into it instead of living with it. And I like this. I, I, I thought this the other day as I was... Thinking on these things. With the same effort you can be maintaining and your broken heart could be increasing, you could use that effort to be getting healed. Mm -mm -mm. Return to your first love. Put God first. Anything that breaks your heart, steals your attention, steals your time, opens the door for the enemy to impart thought after thought after thought. You live with it day after day after day. It is robbing you of your time with God, of your intimacy with God. You've got to return to your first love. You've got to come back to God. Number four, you've got to resist thoughts. That means you've got to put an enormous amount of effort into resisting what is coming into your brain. You say, how do you do that? You do that with your words. You cannot resist thoughts with thoughts. You have to speak to thoughts with words. David said several times in the Psalms, I will say of the Lord. 
When I thought of that thing that happened to you, when I thought of that problem, that situation, that circumstance come into your mind, you've got to rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, I am not going to think that thought. Devil, get that thought out of my mind. That is not my thought. That is not God's thought. Therefore, I will not entertain it. Because any thought the enemy puts into your mind that you entertain, he is going to turn on the amplified version of it. How many know what I'm talking about? He's going to make that thing big in your mind. Don't say. You say what? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you've got a brokenhearted situation in your life, you're going to cut every situation off the angle of that broken heart. Therefore, all of your words that come out are going to be seasoned with that brokenheartedness. You may have to take the ministry of silence upon yourself for a few weeks to get yourself healed. Amen? Just to be crude, you're just going to have to shut up and quit talking it. Because every time you talk, you amplify the problem. Your words have so much more power than you realize. And you can talk about how bad it is. Talk about how hurt you are. Talk about it over and over and over. And the person you're talking to only hears it one time. But you hear it every time you tell it. Amen? It's like watching the same sitcom over and over and over and over. You know what's coming next. <laughs> Amen? Number six, you've got to recognize that your heart is the soil that God plants his word into. You are his workmanship. You are his garden. You are the place in which, God, you are the person in which God wants to cause harvest to come out of. And if you will allow God to heal your heart, you will end up with fertile soil in which the Word of God will be able to grow a harvest for you anytime you plant that seed in there. I ought to get a better amen than that. As complicated as heart issues are, a little work in the Spirit will affect the necessary healing. Life is too short to live with your heart messed up. Amen. Now listen, there are things that happen to people. You've got to understand something. There are things that happen. If your will is ever violated, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, that could be anything. That could be anything from robbery to, you know, you, somebody mugged you or, or somebody abused you. If your will is ever broken and you are put in a place of submission to harm, you say, what do you mean by that? Your, 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 your will is broken. I don't want that to happen to me. And then all of a sudden, you're put in a place of submission through force, through crime, through whatever it may be. Literally, what that does is it breaks down your ability to come back to a place of submission in your will because literally, you have to guard yourself from now on. Anything or anybody could be a threat to you. All it Listen, your senses are so powerful. Feeling, smell, eyesight, at any moment... Anything could literally wake up the trauma of a negative experience in your life. Amen? How many know what I'm talking about? I had a friend that, that, that went to Vietnam, and uh, he was in some, some pretty rough stuff over there. And uh, I hunted with him a lot back in the, in the 90s, in the early 2000, 2001, 2, right in there. And we were always hunting, you know, along the coast, waterfowl hunting along the coast. And when helicopters went over, he was always like this. He couldn't take it. He didn't like helicopters. He just didn't like them. He had been traumatized so many times. He'd been on so many helicopters in the war 
and saw so many, so much trauma, the wounded being taken out, he being, uh, you know, not his will being broken and being put into a combat situation he didn't want to be put into, and this would happen and that. He was, he, listen, he was, every time a helicopter would go over, he was like this. And he told me one day, he said, I don't like the sound of those, those rotor blades. He says, every time I hear the sound of those rotor blades, it does something to me. And you could tell. You say, why is that? That's all it takes to wake up. Memories are so powerful. And here's the good news about God. People say, well, if God would just erase my memory, I'd be healed. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. God does not erase memories. What God does is impart grace. God can give you the grace to live with any situation that has ever happened to you if you allow him access to your heart, amen, by just doing some of those simple things I said. Just admit it, watch your words, guard your thoughts, respond to ministry, do what you need to do to get your heart healed. And that will shut the door for many of the sicknesses and diseases and physical ailments that try to get into the human body. I've, I've literally heard it from, I live and listen to, you know, traveling a lot and, and, and being on the road. Back when I used to travel a lot, I listened to a lot of radio programs, Christian radio programs, different ones, psychologists, psychiatrists, all this kind of stuff, medical doctors. And I heard one doctor say this. He said, there are people that we can treat medically and, and their body, their physical body will respond to it. But the reality of what's actually letting that disease into their body is not in their flesh. It's in their soul. It's in their mind, it's in their emotions, it's in their will. And we find it very difficult to see people like that healed or cured. Amen? God wants you whole. All the assembly of the parts of your life put back together. No matter how traumatic, no matter how harmful, no matter how negative something was in your life, Jesus has the ability to heal the brokenhearted. But you've got to make a decision in your life that you're going to help yourself, that you're going to make a decision. I'm tired of, it's kind of like, I remember, oh, it's been about four or five years ago. All of a sudden, my tooth really started hurting. And I went a couple of days, and I'm speaking the Word of God, standing on healing scriptures, and, and man, it didn't get any better. And I remember one Wednesday, right before church, I have a route that I'll drive and pray before a service, and I was driving and praying, and I knew where my dentist lived. And I knew that he always jogged at about 5.30 in the afternoon. So I was driving, and, and sure enough, as I turned down the street he lived on, here he come running up the street. And so I pulled over and rolled my window down. I said, hey, Rusty, what's up? I said, Doc, my tooth hurts. He said, well, call tomorrow, and they'll get you in the next day or two. I said, no, it's not like that. My tooth really hurts. He said, come in in the morning. And I could not hardly wait for it to get morning where I could go in and he could start working on my tooth because of all the pain it was causing me. The problem is there are certain pains in your life that you may think you can live with, but in reality, you're not living with them. You are dying with them. Let me say that again. You're not living with them. You are dying with them. They're affecting your mind. They're affecting your physical body. They're affecting your finances. They're affecting your disposition. But here's the number one thing you have to understand. They're affecting or it's affecting your faith or your ability to trust God. Because if your trust has ever been broken by people 
has ever been broken by people in your life that you were close to or that you knew, or if trust has ever been violated in your life, you will always take that emotion and place it in other areas. You'll find it hard to trust teachers, policemen. You'll find it hard to trust pastors. You'll find it hard to trust anybody in life. And in reality, you'll find it really hard to trust God. And the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and not to lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. Amen? Does that help you tonight? Well, lift your hands and thank God. Father, we worship you. We thank you for any person tonight that's dealing with a broken, broken, bruised, or offended heart. We thank you that your healing power and your grace goes right to the place that is necessary for healing to take place. In Jesus' name we declare it. And everyone says? Praise God. Brother Frank, you can play softly if you will. Gentlemen, you can come and get the uh, communion implements out. We invite every person to participate in communion if you're a born-again Christian. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, everybody in here, Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Wave your hand and holler hallelujah. Let me look around, make sure every hand is up. Praise the Lord. If not, we're going to get you saved before communion. Amen. Well, that's good. Praise God. We trust you are. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Thank you, Doc. First Corinthians chapter 11. Go ahead, Brother Frank. Well, they hadn't turned you on yet. There you go. I thought you were waiting on me. I did. I have it. Communion is one of the two ordinances of the church. Water baptism being the other. You know, the church has two ordinances, and also God, everybody say God. God has two institutions in the earth. The first institution that was initiated by God was the family. The man and the woman together that God puts together in marriage, amen. And marriage is an institution that protects the union of the man and the woman. Can I get a better amen than that? Now, the second institution that God put in the earth was the church or is the church. There's so much right now that is coming against the church. You say, what do you mean by that? So many entities out there that are criticizing and doing what they can to tear down the church as we know it. One, one group of people I know that say if you go to a church that you know is organized that has a pastor that you know that's not what the way the Bible intended churches should be in houses and should be just a few people and you know I think back of all the years the great effect of all the great churches in the world what they've done for people the great I know there's a church there was a church in Uppsala Sweden uh, pastored by a man and God began to deal with this man. A friend of mine was uh, went to that church, was an evangelist out of that church. And, and they began to prepare uh, for the Soviet Union opening up to preach the gospel to. Uh, that young man and a, uh, that's, that was an evangelist and another friend of mine were sneaking into the Soviet Union preaching the gospel, got caught by the KGB. The KGB interrogated them to the point of torture. They didn't torture them, but got almost to that point. And in that 
in that train car they were doing that at, they stood in front of the KGB agents and prophesied that one day they would preach the gospel from that train car. Six years later, they were in that train car preaching the gospel all over Ukraine. Amen. That church was ready. When the Iron Curtain fell, they started 6,000 churches within a year. Home group couldn't do that. I said a home group couldn't do that. That's a powerful church. I came out of, we had a visitor here this morning. She may be here tonight. It was from Lakewood Church. I think of all the things Brother John Osteen did for missions in the world. All the things Joel is doing now to reach the world. for That's a great church. Don't, don't fall for any of that. Uh, another uh, phenomenon that's going on is these phone churches. One of them is churches over 10,000 people in which, I don't know how they do it. I guess they got some kind of technology. They make a phone call and you put it on, put it on speaker, and then you just have church there. Come on. That's a little bit, a little bit uh, strange. That's a good word, amen. But it's an attack against the church. Jesus purchased the church with his blood. With his blood. How precious is the blood of Jesus? It's so precious that he purchased the church with it. Amen? Now, the ordinance of communion does what? Puts us in remembrance of that which God has done for us in Christ. It's literally a redemptive ordinance, just like water baptism celebrates the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate the broken body and the blood. You say, why is that? Because his broken body on the cross has broken the power of Satan over your life. So I'm telling you, the devil's just beating my brains out. Why let him? You have authority. Satan is defeated and Jesus is Lord because of that broken body. And then secondly, what can we say about the blood? It cleanses your heart. It remits your sin. It's the purchase price of redemption. Because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus sits in the correct position of high priest over the sacrifice that was given as an intercessor and advocate for each and every one of you. And that which he uses as a sacrifice to present to the Father because of the blood and the sacrifice that he has made is your words that you give him. He is the high priest of your confession. That's why your words are so powerful. So every time we receive communion, we're celebrating the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So many people make it a legalistic ritual and just part of their, quote, denomination. But we allow anybody that comes in that calls Jesus Lord and Savior to participate in the ordinance of communion. Amen? Let me read here just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Everybody say bread and take your, take your wafer. It said he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Everybody broke it. And he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken. I like these two words. For you. This do ye in remembrance of me. Now, this is so powerful. You say, why? He hadn't gone to the cross yet. His body hadn't been broken yet. He is actually making a confession or a statement of faith that his broken body upon the cross is going to be more than enough to break the power of the adversary over your life. And that he was going to do it not just for the Father, not for the, just the angelic realm, not just for the Old Testament, but he's going to do it 
for you. Everybody say, for me. So in great reverence and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ and His body being broken for you, receive of the bread tonight. It says in verse 25, After the same manner also He took the cup. And when He had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it. Now notice the term again. In remembrance of me. I think the strongest, most powerful thing that you can inject into your men, uh, into your memory on a constant basis is the Word. I'll never forget years ago. Years ago, I was still in Bible school. Francis Ward, one of our Bible school teachers said to us, and I've carried it ever since then, you have no greater relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than you have with this book right here. And she held up her Bible. He is the Word. He was the Word. He forever will be the Word. And every time you celebrate Jesus, you celebrate the Word. And His blood, remember last week we studied the triumphal entry, was that commodity, that divine currency that was necessary to purchase what? To purchase you. He purchased you. That's why you're not your own. You're bought with a price. What is that price, brother? That price is the blood. So take the cup, and in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed, partake of it tonight. Hallelujah. Everybody say this out loud. Heavenly Father, tonight, in this holy atmosphere of communion, search my heart. As David said, see if there be any wicked way in me. Look into my heart. Look for the cracks. Look for the bruises. Look for where it's been broken. And tonight, I make a decision that anything you reveal to me that needs healing, I'll get busy. I am not, I am not, I am not going to live with a broken heart. For Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And I believe I receive that which is necessary to cause me not to just be healed, but to be whole in every area of my life. So that I might be a vessel that can heal others by the wonderful body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for our fellowship in the back. We call the food blessed in Jesus' name. Thanking you that you bless our bread and water. Take all sickness and symptoms from the midst of us. Thank you, Father, for protection and safety. As is our custom, we declare Psalms 91 over the entire congregation. Thanking you, Lord God. No evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. In our travels and the righteous labor of our hands, we declare protection and safety. Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance as we leave the four walls of our church, we thank you, Father, that we can operate in the ministry of reconciliation, restoration, and encouragement. Laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. Freely we have received, freely we will give. Thank you, Father. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. Thank you for our church. We walk in love toward each other. Thank you that we can leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. That here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, 
visit our website at islandchurchgallison.com.